Hey everyone, welcome to episode 112, Clone Parenting. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, what a fun title today is, isn't it? And we are gonna talk about becoming a clone parent. Now, what does that mean? Now, when you hear the word clone, it means to twin the other person. And I'm always thinking about when I was unconscious and snappy and terse and short and impatient and so frazzled with parenting, what were the unconscious messages that were getting me so stuck and I didn't even know it? And I've talked a lot about my infertility issues and how that was getting me stuck. And I've talked about how as a teacher and a counselor, I worked with so many behavior problems and so many severe emotional issues at school that I was like, I am going to nip it in the bud with my kids. They were like a baby. And I'm like, nope, we're going to nip this in the bud. So everything was in honor of nipping it in the bud. I would say the third part for me was I had to do it just like my parents. And I became almost like I wanted to be just like my mom and just like my dad. So I almost became a clone of them. And then I expected my daughter to be just like me when I was younger. So we do this because, not because we're bad people, we do this because we're entering into this relationship that we've never been in before other than the time that we were the child. So our first point of reference when we go into the parent-child relationship is to go back in time as a point of reference and use our childhoods and the way that we were parented and our relationship with our mom or with our dad or with our greedy-greedy grandpappy as a point of reference. This is normal. A lot of times we want to clone and repeat that. Or if we see parts of it that we didn't like and we see that in our own parenting or we see that in our child, that's where the reaction comes from. So if you were abused as a child, for example, and then your three-year-old hits you, your reaction will not come from the child hitting you. Your reaction will come from you're using past relationships as a point of reference. This is completely normal. So I don't want you to beat yourself up. The reason why this doesn't work is because all relationships are different. They have a different dance. They have a different vibe. We have different temperaments. We have different ages and stages and how we remember it versus what was really going on. And so it's almost like if you and I were friends and we met at Chili's and it's our first time hanging out and I say to you, you know what, Sally, I really want you to be like my friend, Allison. I know you don't know her and I know she doesn't know you, but my friend Allison in middle and high school was fabulous. Here's the things that she did. She did this, she did this, she did. She called me this many times, she texted me this many times, she made this scrapbook for us, we went on this vacation and this is the memory we have. I wanna go recreate that memory. You'd be like, listen, listen, Linda, Kelly, you're crazy. I don't know who Allison is, my name's Sally and I have some other gifts that I wanna give to you in my friendship. But I don't know how to be like someone I don't even know. It's almost like if when I was dating David in 1999, we started dating and I tell him, you know what, David, you're a really nice guy. But if you could be more like my ex-boyfriend, or this guy I dated in high school, that'd be great. Here's the things that he did. Here's the things that he didn't do. So if you could do that, that would be fabulous. Now, when I use those two examples, it's so crazy and it's so wild and it's so insane to even say out loud, but this is what we do unconsciously when we enter in our parent-child relationship. 
We use our childhoods and the way that we were as children as a point of reference. And then anything outside of that, we think that something's wrong. I have probably 75 emails in my inbox right now explaining a child's behavior. And then with the question, Kelly, is this okay? Is this normal? And that question always baffles me because who am I to say what is normal and what is not normal? And this quote by Dr. Shafali, when I was listening to her book on audio, I remember I was doing chest exercises. I was doing body beats. I'll never forget this. I was in my home gym doing chest presses and I almost dropped the dumbbell on my face because this one line woke me up so strongly that I had to stop and almost catch my breath. And she said, when you parent, it's crucial to realize you aren't raising a mini me, but a spirit throbbing with its own signature. Literally, that one line changed my entire life and changed the entire trajectory of my relationship with my kids. That one line, let me read it again. When you parent, it's crucial you realize you aren't raising a mini me, but a spirit throbbing with its own signature. I was like, wait, what? Because what I was doing and why I was so cray cray and so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs is that because I'm a female and I had a relationship with my mom and my dad, I had romanticized and put on a pedestal the father-daughter relationship and the mother-daughter relationship. There are hallmark stories written about the mother-daughter relationship. There are hallmark cards. There's so much societal pressure put on the mother-daughter relationship and that's the only one I had experience with. So that's what I was using my point of reference. I didn't have any brothers, so I had no point of reference with Grady. There was no mother-son relationship that I had to use as a point of reference, so everything was brand spanking new with him. That's why he triggered me less. Not because he was any better or worse than Lily, because I had no point of reference, so I accepted the as-is of everything that Grady was doing or not doing. It was the first time I'd ever entered into a mother-son relationship or son-mother relationship. But mother-daughter, are you kidding me? I had, at that point, 35 to 40 years of experience, plus my sisters who are older than me. So I had three examples of mother-daughter relationships, and I used that as my point of reference. So anything outside of that agenda in my manual and my playbook was when I would get cray-cray and I'd get cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because I would stomp and stammer and freak out in my head because I had a picture of what it was supposed to be like. And when it wasn't matching up, that's where my high reactivity came from. Had nothing to do with what Lily or Grady were doing had everything to do with my reactivity coming from the place of, I knew what mother-daughter relationships were like, and I was going to make that happen no matter what. I don't care how many tantrums I had to have. So what I was essentially saying to Lily is, I need you to be different than you are. Because my memory of my childhood was I was a pretty happy kid. A lot of things just rolled off my back. My mom and I were super close as a kid. I would want to crawl in her lap and read a book and sing, You Are My Sunshine. We'd go shopping. We're still close to this day. I'm 46. I love being with my mom. And she, I think, loves being with me. It's a beautiful dance. And so when that wasn't happening between Lily and I, and when she wasn't happy all the time, I took that personally like I was failing as a mom. But I was essentially saying, Lily, I need you to be more like Kelly when she was two. Lily, I need you to be more like Kelly when she was three. And when she was seven, she was really happy. So when I say it out loud, that's why I was driving myself crazy is because I wanted her to be like the mini version of Kelly because I thought I was raising a mini version of myself. But she was so different than me and I wasn't appreciating that. I was expecting her to be just like I was as a child. And when that wasn't happening, that's where my cray-cray came out. Not because she was doing anything wrong or doing anything right, but she was having all these emotions and she was sharing her feelings and she was such a truth teller and she was so blunt. 
she was so filled with all these emotions that I didn't know what to do with because I had never known what to do with them as I was a child. So instead of helping her with these tricky emotions, I was like, well, clearly something's gone wrong. I need to yell these emotions out of you. I need to stomp and stammer and tantrum and get these emotions out of you because they're not my fault. Don't make me look bad. I don't want other parents to think I'm a bad parent. I don't want other people to judge me. And she was my wake-up call. She was like, listen, listen, Linda, I need some help here. And if you're not gonna give it to me, I'm actually gonna get stronger and bigger and I'm actually gonna get louder. So either wake up now or this isn't gonna go right. She was screaming for her own throbbing spirit to fly on her own and be who she was meant to be versus who I wanted her to be. I wanted her to be different than she was. And I don't know about you, but when someone I'm in a relationship with wants me to be different than I am, that is not very fulfilling. That is not very motivating. That is not very fun. If David and I were dating and he says, you know, I want you to be like my ex-girlfriend. She was awesome the way she did X, Y, Z. I'd be like, listen, dude, you need to go pound sand and that's not gonna fly around here. So you can see it clear as day when I use those crazy examples. Or if you and I were friends and you say to me, Kelly, I want you to be different than you are. I don't want you to talk like that. I don't want you to act like that. I don't want you to think like that. I'd be like, this is all I know. I don't know any different. And that's what Lily was saying. I don't know any different, mom. So you need to wake up. You need to dance better because you're dancing all over my toes. You're stepping on my toes like crazy. And the cool thing about consciousness is when you accept the as is of who you have versus who you thought you were gonna have as a child, that's when it gets super fun. So the rest of the quote goes, it starts off with, when you parent, it's crucial to realize you aren't raising a mini me, but a spirit throbbing with its own signature. I was like, what did she just say? I had to rewind it. I had to stop what I was doing. It was like a lightning bolt came and woke me up and it split this enmeshment that we had going on in this codependency that I had to her to make me feel like a good mom. For this reason, it's important to separate who you are from who each of your children is. Children aren't ours to possess or own in any way. When we know this in the depths of our soul, we tailor our raising of them to their needs rather than molding them to fit our needs. What the actual is going on when I read that? When you parent, it's crucial to realize you aren't raising a mini me, but it's a throbbing spirit with its own signature. That was a boom in itself. And then she went on to say, you have to separate who you are from your children. I was like, wait, what? I don't have to be enmeshed. I don't have to be codependent. You mean their behavior means nothing about me? Oh, wait, wait, what? And that became the journey, and that was probably in 2014, of separating myself and detaching my ego so I could attach and connect at the heart level. People say when they hear detach or separate, they get very nervous. They're like, oh, you're gonna love your child less? What's going on? I'm like, no, it's just the opposite. You get to love them even more because you're going to this relationship with your palms up, not with the secret agenda written on the back of your head of how it's supposed to be. Just like you and I as friends, I'm not gonna ask you to be different than you are. I'm gonna love you for who you are. And just like our kids. And a lot of times I'll hear parents say, well, when I was a child, I followed all the rules. So I don't understand why I have a rule breaker. I was so quiet as a child. I don't know why my child's so loud. I was such a happy kid. I don't know why my kid is not happy all the time. That was me. When I was younger, my room was always clean. I don't know why my kid's room is not clean. It doesn't make any sense to me. Or when we say, well, I got straight A's and I just did everything that I needed to do in school. I don't know why my child's not doing their homework because we're not raising mini me's. We're not raising versions of ourselves. We're not raising smaller versions of who we were when we were younger. Also, you don't have to be like your mom. You don't have to be like your dad. I have a lot of moms that I help that are just like their mom, but they couldn't stand their mom. 
They didn't get along with their mom. They don't talk to their mom. They had a falling out with their mom. Their mom was very serious, always cleaning, always working, always drinking, always doing X, Y, Z away from the family. And then they see that in themselves and they can't stop doing it because it feels so familiar. So to change that paradigm and to change that routine is very hard and very tricky, but that's where you step into emotional adulthood and become who you were meant to be as a mom, not become a clone of your mom or expect your child to become a clone of who you were as a child. And in speaking of mini-me's, I saw this yesterday. If you know who wrote this, please let me know because I'm not able to credit that because the person who posted it didn't know who it came from. And it goes like this, dearest daughter, or this could be dearest son. We clearly do not see eye to eye. I'm sorry, but I just don't understand you. I've always imagined I would understand you, you know? I assume that my little girl would be just like me. She would think like me, talk like me, act like me, but you don't. You say things that I'd never say out loud. You do things I'd never even dare to do. And you have beliefs that I've never even considered. You are just so different than me. And it's made me realize you are not mine. Nope, not mine. You are all your own and you own it. I'm realizing that I'm not raising another me. I'm raising a you. And what a beautiful thing that is. I'm so in love with every inch, every ounce that makes all of you. You're gonna do things I've never done, see things I'll never see, accomplish things I could only dream possible. You're gonna live a life that's all yours. Right now, it's not easy. We butt heads, we push buttons, we challenge each other. But I'm pretty sure it's all gonna work out perfectly because you aren't going to follow in my footsteps. You are gonna take strides that far surpass my own. So my dearest daughter, I guess I'm okay with us not seeing eye to eye today because when you look to tomorrow, I know you're seeing beyond anything I could ever envision. You've got your sights set on a future that's more than me. It's all you. And man, that makes me one proud mama. And that is exactly where we can let go, let God, and let their own throbbing spirit come through and be separate and whole from them, W-H-O-L-E, and not enmeshed and codependent and needing them to make us feel like we're a good mom. Our worthiness and our value does not come from our child. It does not come from our spouse. It doesn't come from our ex-husband or our parents. It is living your life from the in to the out versus living your life from the out to the in. So many people, when we step into emotional adulthood, we forget that it's the in to the out. And so we're always searching and grasping and needing other people to fill us, to make us feel worthiness and that value that is already there. And the reason why our children can accept the as is is because this is their first shot at parent-child relationship. Whereas we are the ones with all the Samsonite luggage. We are the ones with all the baggage. Just like you go into a new friendship with your palms up thinking, wow, what is this friend gonna teach me about life? And what can I teach her? How can we dance together? Just like you go into every relationship if you're in romantic relationships. And just like thinking about if you're married and going into that relationship with your spouse, you didn't bring up past boyfriends or past girlfriends or past relationships and asking them to be more like that ex because that would be silly and that'd be crazy. But this is what our brain does because it has no point of reference. So what it does is it uses our childhood and who we were as a child as a point of reference. And then it expects our kids to be just like us when we were kids, even though they've never even met her. They've never even met him. We romanticize that parent-child relationship. And if we didn't have that relationship as a child or wasn't strong or it was frayed or there was neglect or there was abuse, then we go with even greater expectations into the parent-child relationship because we're like, whoa, that was not fun but I swear on a stack of Bibles, it will be fun for my kid. There will never be anything negative happening to my child. And then we're almost going into the relationship, almost starving because we didn't have it as a child. So now we're gonna definitely have it when we're an adult. 
And that needy and graspy energy is such a repellent to children that they can pick up on that and they pull away and then we get needier and we get graspier. They get pull away even more or they rebel or they shut down or they push away. And then we end up re-injuring ourselves all over again, even though this is a brand new relationship. So the overarching theme of this podcast and this episode is to remember that you have a throbbing spirit in your four walls on their own. Their souls are separate from you, but that doesn't mean you're separate from their souls. That means that you're connected at the heart, but you don't have to be enmeshed and codependent and need them to be different than they are because they can't be different than they are even if they wanted to. Even if you gave them a million dollars of the toy they wanted for the rest of their lives, they can't be different than they are because that's all they know. They don't have all the Samsonite luggage like we do. So go into that relationship with your palms up and get super curious and then you're not so furious. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.